0: Today on the podcast, we have a great opportunity to talk to Jen Miller. She's board support specialist at Central Arizona Project. She's been in the meetings and events industry for several years, formerly with American Express. And I had the pleasure of meeting her recently when I was presenting to the MPI Sunbelt, Arizona chapter. Had great conversations and what I was most intrigued with Is her ability to go from living in a full-size home with family to moving into a tiny home. So I think you'll really appreciate her journey. We talk about flexibility, acceptance, being calm and creative and empathetic to be able to get done what you need to get done. Here it is. Enjoy. Greetings, everyone. My name is Bart Berkey, the CEO and founder of Most People Don't. We're a motivational storytelling company that encourages people to do what most people don't do. The purpose of this podcast is to talk to people, friends, colleagues, clients, associates, that I have discovered that they do what most people don't do. So today, we're very, very excited to get a pleasure to talk to, it's my pleasure to be able to talk to Jen Miller, um, based out of Arizona. I first met Jen just actually a couple of weeks ago. She was on a presentation with uh, an organization called MPI, the Arizona Sunbelt Chapter, and it was just really cool how she grasped this concept about most people don't. So first of all, Jen, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Bart.
0: Appreciate yeah, it. And, it, I, and I just wanted to to ask a little bit about um, about your current role Um, and your background in meetings and events, and then we're going to get into some of the other fun things.
1: Sure. So currently I'm working for Central Arizona Project here in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, I have been there for just about two years working uh, for their um, elected officials, a 15-member board of directors, uh, and managing their meetings and events. And uh, prior to that, this is more of a government entity. Prior to that, I was in the corporate world and uh, spent most of my career uh, doing meeting and events internally for American Express.
0: Mm -hmm. And And I'm just curious, what got you involved in the meetings and events industry? Is that something that you studied through school or how did you come about choosing that as a profession?
1: Yeah, uh, I I did not get involved in school, which I find interesting that I never thought about it when I was going through college, because uh, when I look back, I used to host events, uh, even in high school, uh, and have, you know, kick my family out and have friends over for a dinner party. And so just, you know, I guess it just never kind of crossed my mind as a career choice, when I was going through college. But um, later on, I think I originally thought I wanted to be a veterinary technician or something and, and um, kind of worked through uh, a few animal hospitals, but then realized two of my passions, one being animals and the other one being just people. And interacting with people and realizing that I could do that and make a difference in a positive way by getting into the meeting and events industry and really kind of creating those memorable moments for others.
0: yeah, and it's and it's interesting. And what I noticed about you, even looking at your LinkedIn profile before the conversation, was you have um you've offered endorsements and recommendations on LinkedIn um, to a lot of different people, but you've never asked. And I think that that's just kind of a tail telltale sign that you are a giver, that you want to do things for others, that you want to create experiences for others. So I I think it was pretty obvious, even just from looking at your LinkedIn profile, that that's something that makes you very good at what you do.
1: I'll agree with you.
0: Yeah, am I embarrassing you? Okay, good. (laughs) so, from a meeting and event perspective, because our audience is going to be uh, meetings and events and hospitality professionals and business associates, what do you think has made you successful in your career from a meetings and events perspective? Obviously, you, you keep on getting promoted. You keep on getting recruited to go for other, corp- uh, other companies, uh, whether it's government or whether it's corporate, private sector. But can you share what has made you successful? And if we can tie in, what do you do that most people don't do in order to be successful?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is putting yourself out there. Um, networking is very important. Making sure that you cast your net wide. Um, don't ever think that somebody might not know somebody that can't do something for you or that that you can't connect with in another way. So I think mostly it's, um, you know, making sure that you're creating those personal relationships and experiences with people and kind of, um, you know, perhaps this person isn't quite a right fit for you, but you have absolutely no idea who that person might know. Mm -hmm. And so it really is just um, being able to network, um, being able to um, create those relationships. And then, I mean, ask any event and meeting planner, it's organization, organization, organization. So um, I think those are some of the, um, I guess, talents, I think that I utilize most, you know, certain things can be taught. Mm -hmm. There's other things that just kind of need to be inherent to you to be able to um, really connect and make that difference with people. And it's a lot of networking.
0: Yeah. And, And so, Jen, as you, as you referenced networking, I know it probably was easier before the pandemic for us to network. What do you find to be um, the easy opportunities or what channels do you use right now to be able to network? I know we first met from the MPI Arizona Sunbelt chapter, which was I thought was brilliant. But what other channels do you use to be able to network in an environment like this?
1: It is. It's on social media. Uh, you know, that you can find a group probably with any title, any subject matter whatsoever on Facebook or other mm-hmm um, medias that are out there. So being able to connect with others that way. Um, also, uh, you know, I've never not lost touch with somebody that I have worked with in the past. So you might go gaps without speaking or connecting, but they're always there. And so, um, making sure that you're reconnecting and having, you know, those connections with them. Also, finding webinars and seminars and podcasts and mm-hmm. any other thing that you that can help you um, connect and be able to find a bigger audience.
0: Yeah. And are, are there any webinars or even podcasts that you would recommend? I mean,
1: yeah, besides
0: um, this one, we're just starting.
1: Yes, well, of course yours. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a great friend who started one called Single Soul Cycle. And um, it's for single women Mm -hmm. and um, it's an excellent podcast to listen to. So just some really good tips, which became so important this last year, especially for single people that are home by themselves and were not surrounded with other people while we were told to stay inside and to be able to have an outlet, um, to be able to communicate that way with people uh, really helped um, keep people kind of connected and and not feel like they were so alone.
0: That's a, that's a really good point. And we know even from a corporate perspective, a lot of people were used to building up a certain type of culture within their community, within their company. And I've heard of individuals that were hired new into a company that had a very strong culture but they never got to experience it because they're working alone, remotely, home office, and they've never had an opportunity to interact with any of their office mates because they've been remote. So it's uh, that that's hopefully a, a trend that is gonna stop, right? That we will all be able to interact more with each other. But you certainly bring up some really interesting points. Um, the last question that I had for you with regard to networking and relationships, how can you make sure like there's a statement that I I like to say is that friends longer than colleagues. Uh, I've worked with a lot of different people over the last 31 years. And even if we don't work together at the same company, we've, we've been able to remain friends. And I think that's kind of a good mantra, friends longer than colleagues. But how do you maintain relationships to make sure that people are not thinking that, oh my gosh, just, you know, Jen Miller needs something for me, or she's only reaching out when she needs something. How are you able to kind of balance maintaining contact with people but not feeling like you're being too intrusive or that you're actually wanting anything from them.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting balance because, uh, you know, for me personally, I don't want to add every single person I've ever met onto my personal Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So um, how do you stay connected with them? Right. So you use, use different apps like LinkedIn and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's really important to uh, do check-ins and actually go in and search for them and see if they've posted something and you can connect by something that maybe they posted. And so it's not necessarily a moment where you're reaching out for something from them, but you're looking to see what they've been actively involved in and then maybe connecting that way.
0: Yeah, and, and that, boy, I mean, that's that's a, a really great example about just seeing what your your former colleagues, your friends are up to um in in fact it it, it, and i know it's not easy to do because we're all very busy every single day with so many things but almost if you played like random roulette on your phone to see which of your contacts pops up or start typing a name if you're connected with a lot of people on linkedin start typing in a name and see who comes up and then simply send them a message that you're thinking of them Uh, this morning i actually did that there's a very good friend of mine uh, director of sales marketing at one of our addition, one of the edition properties out of New York City. And uh, she gave me um, an addition scented candle. So it's a proprietary scent, but a lovely smell that they burn in the property. Uh, and I just happened to find it and I opened it up and I was like, oh my gosh, I should reach out to Kate and just say, blatant happy new year, thinking about you smelling the candle that you shared with me before. And uh, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I'm not asking for anything, but I just wanted to let her know that I was thinking about her. Any other tips that you do to be able to reach out to, to people?
1: Well, I, I, just to read kind of piggyback on what you just said too, you know, it's important that in the moment you remember to do it and it, it doesn't need to be anything that's lengthy. It can be something that's really quick. Yeah. And then also to not expect anything in return. You know, a lot of people, you know, they'll see it and eventually maybe they'll respond to it and, and and to not do that but um you know let's go back to old school and pick up the phone as well i've had numbers saved in my phone that i probably rarely ever go back and look at but every once in a while you know i may just call somebody or maybe even okay we could text too and just you know say hey is this still your number you know how are you i haven't talked to you in a while so You know, it's good to kind of touch base that way.
0: No, great idea. And then Jen, just curious, are you the type of person that still sends handwritten notes?
1: Um, I would say I do not as frequently as I used to. Mm -hmm. So I grew up watching my, my mother, um, they call them those round robins where, you know, the whole group of ladies would like email and then the letter gets sent around to everybody with another letter from the other person. And so I did that for a while with a group of my college girlfriends and, you know, we've kind of moved on to uh, modern technology now and use uh, Facebook messenger groups to do kind of the same thing. But um, yeah, I do still like to write um, thank you notes at least. Yes. Okay,
0: good, good. And I think, and it's just a reminder and I'm asking you because I just picked up a card the other day. It's early enough that it's not a Valentine's Day card, but my mother will always create. She's 85 years old, still lives in Pittsburgh by herself. Um, They're still very healthy, but she always sends handwritten notes. And I saw a card and I'm like, you know what? Let me just send my mother a note, not for any other reason, but just to make sure that she knows that, you know, me and my family are thinking about her. All right. Awesome. Well, Jen, and the last question that I want to ask you, and this is probably the thing that initially intrigued me. When I was presenting the other day, we were talking about overcoming obstacles by doing what most people don't do. And I shared four things. So one was flexibility. One was acceptance. One is being calm and creative. And then the last one is being empathetic. And if you put all of those things together, it easy a reminder or it spells face. But as soon as I said that, you chimed up, chimed in, to talk about how you've been able to overcome challenges um, and and achieve your goals especially with your move into a tiny home so can you share with us a little bit about the story where were you living before and what prompted you to utilize flexibility acceptance calm creativity and empathy to move into a tiny home what can you share with us
1: yeah definitely i'm excited to share it um, so i I uh, am a single mother with two boys, and uh, we were living in a house, I would say probably, it's not a big house. It was probably 1,300 square feet, and um, raising two boys and living the normal dream of a house and pets and kids and car and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I always knew that my purpose while my kids were younger was to raise them to be two very good, compassionate, confident young men. Mm -hmm. And so that was my focus. But I knew once they grew up, I would have to kind of figure out what else I really wanted to do for myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, everyone has seen all of the TV shows now, the tiny house Nation and all the other ones that are out there. And I first became uh, familiar with uh, tiny houses from a TV show, Mm -hmm. but went to the local home and garden shows, started to have tiny houses there and met with some builders there and whatnot. I think what I did was I said, you know what, I'm going to set a goal for myself. I know that I know when my kids are going to be grown and out of the house and I'm going to wait until that happens. And then I'm going to get my plan started to go ahead and sell that house
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and pay off uh, existing debts, and um, find a reputable builder, and start planning my custom tiny house. And I'm gonna do it. This is mm-hmm. what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And I went through moments of sharing my excitement with family and friends, and the looks of confusion and what coming across their their faces, and you know, just really being able to stick to my guns and say no this is what I really want to do and so I put a plan in place and um, was able to just take each step as it came and kind of work through the process and in the midst of this plan was everything that you mentioned the flexibility and the creativeness and all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. and so I Um, I created a a work board, a vision board was one of the first things I ever did and created a vision board. And then that was kind of my visual reminder of what my goal is. And eventually the kids did move out, graduated from college. One is almost graduated. He's in his master's Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And uh, so they were out. I sold the house. I temporarily moved into a rental for a year just to kind of give me that time to get settled and, um, get the house built. Um, lots of setbacks. Um, you know, the original property I thought I was going to put the house on fell through and I had to locate another place to put it um certain setbacks with the build um you know here I'm building this dream tiny house in the middle of a pandemic Mm -hmm. and um it's amazing what all that affects because uh you know things weren't being shipped into the United States that that you needed appliances you know different things like that so it was a lot of flexibility a lot of just kind of going through options and and picking out what I could do. And then ultimately, you know, getting to the point of finally having the tiny house come to fruition, which was absolutely amazing. And being able to finally share it with all of those skeptics out there and have them go, Oh, that's really nice. So, um, it was a, it was a process of just setting a goal for myself and really sticking to it, no matter what was happening around me, just remaining calm and, and kind of using my creativity. I realized I didn't have a workstation in the, in the tiny house and thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to be extended to work from home because of, because of COVID. And, um, so I had them figure out how to put a workstation in my tiny home. So just all sorts of different things, different challenges, different um, financially, um, mm-hmm. something always comes up. You never buy a house for the exact amount that you're buying the house for. Everyone right. should uh, uh, know that. Right. Um, so yeah, it was.
0: Yeah. And a couple things that you just shared, Jen, it's uh, you had a goal, right? You had a vision board. And so your goals were written down. You were able to look at that. You were able to focus on that. You had to plan You're able to execute the plan and then the flexibility that you said, you know, the land maybe wasn't the right land. So you had to be flexible with that. You had to accept that maybe all the supplies weren't coming in at the right time because of the pandemic. You had to be calm and just take deep breaths and realize that everything will work out Um, from a creative perspective. Just as you shared, right? Workspace. You had to think, okay, where could we have a workspace? And then the last aspect that I shared the other day with you was about the empathy. Mm -hmm. That most individuals, in fact, statistics show that 80% of people are not predisposed to empathy. So they don't give to others. They don't volunteer. They don't put themselves in other people's shoes. Have you, you, during this pandemic, and not necessarily related to your tiny home or anything else, have you been able to give to others or to help others, to um, cheer up others, to share what you are doing to help others? And I'm just curious.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. In, in so many different ways. So, um, I will say that, um, you know, I am one who has dealt with anxiety, um, anxiety disorder, um, ever since I was in college and, um, I have, uh, you know, educated myself through the years to really, um, understand it and, and know what the triggers are and, and, you know, what, uh, I guess, um, skills you can kind of create for yourself to help you get through some of the more anxious um episodes and and what is more anxious than being quarantined in your house during a pandemic or just dealing with the pandemic and and um i was able to work with a few people i've been very vocal about my my personal journey with it and um so those that might see me on Facebook or somewhere are aware of it. And um, so they would reach out. um, And so I was able to really um, kind of help a few people uh, with their anxiety, just letting them know that they're not alone, that there's a lot of people out there that are suffering. Um, What do they feel is causing their anxiety right now? And then what kind of tools could I share with them that might help them to um, kind of
0: overcome no that's I mean brilliant and again this was not pre-rehearsed I just guess that you are an empathetic person so love hearing that and thank you for helping out other people and it's interesting even as you said that Jen I've suffered from panic attacks ever since I was probably about 10 or 11 years old Uh, I underwent surgery for a broken nose at the time as a kid and essentially had an out-of-body experience Wow! I heard them say he's out let's get started and yet oh. I wasn't out. I wasn't under, right? I wasn't knocked out. Yeah. And as a result of that, I have this, ever since that time, have had panic panic attacks related to fear of dying. Mm. And, and I'll just share with you, you this quickly. Every single night when I was a kid, after I ret- returned home from that surgery, I would say to my parents before bedtime, see you tomorrow, right? Yes see you tomorrow, right? And you probably can understand why. I was Mm -hmm. looking for confirmation, affirmation that I wouldn't die in the middle of my sleep, that that I'd be okay. I'm losing consciousness. I don't know where I'm going, but that I will be okay. If you tell me I'll see you tomorrow, right? means I'm not going to die in my sleep. So, you know, horrendous, scary times for all of us, but I'm proud of you for sharing and I think the more people that do share things like that, you know, no one would think me as a professional speaker would have anxiety and panic attacks because I love getting in front of talking to people and I love sharing ideas, mm-hmm. but the more that we share our, um, our I, I don't want, it's not our faults, um, but our concerns, not even our flaws, because it's not a flaw, it just happens to us. Right. I think the, the more people can understand and relate, well, look, if Jen can do it, I can do it. If Bart can do it, I can do it. So, awesome. Awesome. Yeah,
1: completely agree. I think also, um, I feel like the same thing. People look at me and they they think, you know, here she's managing this event and she doesn't even look stressed. Why doesn't she look stressed? Why does she always look so calm? She's always just a calm person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, that's not true. You know, if you really knew me, you would know I deal with an anxiety disorder. So, yeah. um, you know, it's just...
0: And is there anything, is there anything, Jen, that you can share that helps? That is it. Is it books? Is it meditation? Is it yoga? Do you have certain crutches, if you don't mind sharing?
1: Yeah. Um, so when when I first had them, it was simple crutches, which I was taught that kind of. St- kind of turn your brain into thinking something else right so um a lot of like ha- i used to carry water around with me religiously i mean now it's important to but back then they didn't tell you that but i carried water around with me religiously because they were like open the cap of water take a sip of water it's, it's just kind of transferring the thought process in your brain i chewed gum religiously at the beginning now i've found more that i like to um use meditation uh i do yoga Um, And I like kind of more of um, kind of doing that kind of mindset. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been with me for so long. I can kind of feel most of the time when it's coming. Mm -hmm. And so just breathing techniques and different things like that really help. Um, And sometimes when they're really bad, it's just getting on the phone and talking to somebody. And so I constantly tell people, you call me whenever you need to, you call Mm -hmm. me. Because just being able to have that conversation and know somebody else is on the line and they're listening really does help.
0: Yeah, and I I had no idea that the conversation was going to lead down this path of topic of conversation. And I'll share one thing with you quickly as well. I'm not unbuttoning my shirt, but um, this is, if you can see, it is a pill container. And my son bought this for me years ago. And what I keep inside, had a heart attack a year ago. So I have my heart medicine in here, but I also have my happy pills. Mm-hmm. And my happy pills are used if I'm feeling anxious. I know I can take one and it automatically calms me down. Now, I don't want to rely upon the medicine. And sometimes I'll go out and about thinking that I have my pills with me and I don't, which just shows me that I can have the confidence and I can do anything. I can do anything. And it's just in my mind that I'm feeling anxious. Right. But um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I do agree with you. The more people that know that they're not alone, the healthier that everyone will be. Right. Right. Yeah, awesome. Well, you are certainly a person that is doing what most people don't, right? Your success in the meetings and event industry, um, you focusing on a goal and moving to a tiny home, you overcoming so many different obstacles. You know, what What a joy. And I think people are placed into people's lives for a reason. So you and I are connected forever. So whether you would not like Excellent. it or not, that's I'm what's Um, But just again, I wanted to thank you for sharing your ideas and hoping that people can um, continue to learn. Um, And uh, uh, I'm not going to ask for any other personal details, but Jen Miller, Central Arizona Project. If someone would like to connect with her on LinkedIn, Jennifer Miller, Central Arizona Project. Um, But really keep on doing what most people don't. You are a very special lady and um, proud to be acquaintances now and friends now.
1: Yes, fantastic. I appreciate it so much.